Oh, then, Jim. Oh, uh, uh, hi, Jeff. Come on in. Come on in. Hey, they, uh, they said you was looking for me. What's all this saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, shut the door, please. And, oh, right. uh, have, right. have a seat. Just a moment. Ah, there, there we go. Okay. It's a very heavy door. Sure, um, sure. Um, you know, I'm a, go, I'm a, I'm a mongoose. Uh-huh. Go, go ahead and uh, climb up on the seat there. Just right. load up. How, how are you? How are you, Jeff? I've sat as a pan, love. Good, Doing good. just great, great. Good. Keep um, them busy. Good, uh, good. Know, eyes on the prize, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Right. So, why I've called you in here... Yeah, what's, uh, what's on your mind, Edgy? I'll just... I'll just... Uh, well... If if you would please uh, call me Mr. Farkas, right, um, right. So we uh, it, it's come around to your performance review. Oh right, since right. we've hired you, it's your ninety day evaluation. Right, right. Forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Right, and uh, and so I glowing just, uh, responses forthcoming. Okay, okay. I assume, and, <laughs> and I would just like to uh, uh, discuss with you. Uh, uh, how you are perceived in in the company, what your future might be, and respected, um, adored. Okay, okay. Sometimes lingeringly stared at. Wink okay, Jeff. Again. Uh, okay, let's <laughs> let's start there, um, perhaps. So, when we hired you here at Halen Millsap, um, you had a, a very clear cut role that we um, hired you for. Right. And and to be honest, uh, we don't feel like you're particularly fulfilling uh, your role here at the company. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let me ask you a simple question. Now, personally, all last week, check the logbooks. By way of a for example, I spent all last week working on the fine diddler account. I've been making phone calls. I've been sending emails, memos, sending out letters, oh, okay. trying to bring a bit of money back into the company, contributing. Well, Okay, uh, Jeff, you see, that's that's a problem right there. We didn't hire you to do that. You were hired to take care of the Cobra problem that we have. Right, right. Quick question. How many fatalities you had in the last 90 days? Jeff, that that's irrelevant. That is that is not playing into this situation at all. Because I've been, I've been keeping track. I've got a little bit of a scorecard at my cubicle. Okay, okay. A little bit of scorecard. You know what a score is? Snakes, none. Jeff, older snakes. All well, been regulating them snakes. Ain't one person been bit. Ain't nobody died since I started in here. I starts looking around. I decide I'm invested Jeff, in this company. Maybe I can be an extra player. Maybe I'm going to show them what I can capable okay, of. Okay, Jeff. I'm sparkling oh, okay. like a star All right. here. All right. Well, and you're walking around not wondering. Oh, is there another? Uh, uh, is there Jeff, another feminist snake down. in my bed down my desk drawer? Please, please calm down. I'm um, afraid to go in the no break need, room. There's, there's no need to get uh, upset about this. Dolores is blind because okay. that cobra spat in the eyes. Jeff. That's all in the past. The problem is we didn't have any fatalities before you came. We just had a threat of fatalities from the Cobras. Now, and Dolores Lucille, got blinded by the spitting Cobra. Well, Dolores got blinded. Lucille saw a snake just last week. I mean, it writes itself. It... it Woman goes blind, okay. someone sees a snake. It's a spitting cobra, it's what I okay. do. So, the other glaring issue that, that has come up, sexual harassment. Right, well, I'll tell you what, I do agree with that right there. Some days I can't even get but from point A to point B without somebody interrupting my work, talk about how adorable I am, can I okay, pet your okay. fur? And I'm first to say, hey, it goes both ways, I'll pet your fur too, man. Okay, okay, that is that is completely inappropriate. <laughs> completely inappropriate. Uh, Jeff, I, I would rather not call HR in here, but I, I will do so. Now, we have had more sexual harassment complaints about you 
in the last 90 days that you have worked for us well, than we have had in the entire history of the company. Hate to interrupt you. Maybe it's a cross the pond sort of thing. When you say HR complaints about me, does that mean that they are focused on me, other people harassing me, me trying to get my job done, or, I mean, there's no or. You're saying people are sexually harassing me, to which I agree. I, I I'm agree. actually saying... But I'm not complaining. The, I'm, I'm, Jim, I'm not I'm complaining. Actually, you wouldn't complain, would you, Jim? In <laughs> fact, I'm saying the complete opposite. So uh, well, that wait. that is a huge problem, and, and we take those complaints very seriously here at, at Halen Millsap. So you're saying there are birds at this office saying they do not appreciate the attention I'm paying to them? Uh, that's that's the problem right there, Jeff. There are no birds at this office, okay? There are women, there are ladies that work here, and they oh. do not appreciate being called birds, they do not appreciate being asked to pet their fur, and they do not appreciate going up their legs under their skirts. Listen, I'm a mongoose. I'm not even two feet tall. I like to look people in the eye because I believe in, in making that sort of contact. Okay. Okay. I work in a business environment. Jeff, we now, have if they wear trousers, we have I'll go right up the desks. outside of the trousers. There are tables you can stand on to do that. You do not have to go up to eye level via skirt. Now listen, Jeff, we, we're getting a little deep on this, and, and I'm afraid I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to That's what I was trying to do, mate. Okay. Right, Jim? Okay. You get right what there. I'm saying, hey, Jim? Okay. <laughs> okay, okay, right there. Uh, Jeff, I am sorry, but we're going to have to let you go. Really? Yes, Jeff. Uh, please pack up your desk, the, everything that you have at your desk, and uh, be gone by 1130. Well, f*** a doodle do to you, then, All right, sir. all right. We, no need no, for no, language. No, no. no need for language. There's a need for language there, no. Jimmy. Okay, You okay. f***ing nonce. You come in okay. here with your French cuffs and your little cuff links. You gotta okay. tell me a working my, man. My wife bought me these. Working right. man, I came here There's to no fight need to get upset, with my okay. mouth in hands, venomous snakes. Jimmy, you, right. you ever fought anyone in your life? It looks like you've been fighting a bag of potato chips every day. All right, that is too and far. Losing, Jeff. That and is losing. That is too far. Oh. That is too much. You know I have a problem <laughs> with potato chips. You know it. I have made that particularly clear in more ways than one. Cool. Peace off, that is, that is enough of that, and and I will thank you to please leave my office right now. There's no need to get this upset. We'll have HR talk to you, and, and if need be, we'll have security escort you out of the office. Ain't no need, sir, because I can tell you right now, when I leave this office, no less than six birds with broken hearts will follow me right out these doors, and hopefully right in the back of one of them vans and get part of the backyard. <laughs> wait, wait, wait you, we're not my friend. You're not my friend. Right. Leave. Hey, leave. Oh, I'm out of here. What? And don't give me two fingers. <laughs> right, here. Could you get the door, please? Cheryl! They no. sacked me! Sh <laughs> Can you f***ing believe it? All right, all right. Settle down they and leave. They called it a redundancy. All right, everyone, everyone back to work, please. Cheryl! Everyone, don't, don't, no, don't listen. Bethany, you see this? You see this f***ing wanker? Please, Bethany, He's get trying back to, kick to work, me okay? He's you, trying to sack me. Jeff's been sacked. Please. Oh, no, you're saying sack. Don't you mean fired? All right, uh, sod oh, off, oh, Jeff. Don't sod you mean off, you're right? fired? Oh, uh, I'm from America. You're fired. I eat too many potato chips. Dolores, I'm taking my lunch now. No calls, please. Oh, it's really nice of you to keep her around. What with her blindness? You know what? Cheryl, Bethany, you know where I'll be. I'll be waiting for you. <laughs> because they can take the mongoose out of the office, but they can't take the office out of the mongoose, hey? <laughs> Not sure that made sense. 
Will someone let Jeff out, please? Trials and tribulations of Jeff the Talking Mongoose. <laughs> Just because you win Miss Cryptid doesn't mean no, that your life is easy from then on. That prize money goes fast. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then where are you? You know, it's like it's when you're on a reality show. What do you do after it? <laughs> uh, hey, everybody. Hello. Uh, and welcome to the conclusion of <gasps> Blurry that's right. The most terrifying month of the year. And the most terrifying part, the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We save all of the truly emotionally damaging stories for this night. I'm David Flora. I'm David Stecco. Welcome. And you're in deep shit. <laughs> <laughs> and you've, you're getting sacked from Blurry Photoverse. <laughs> they now were, sawed off, eh? They were redundancies. <laughs> Uh, blurry photos uh is bringing you the third annual ghost story extravaganza we're in like the third iteration of shits now that's true we are we are dave and david 3.0 woof i would have expected a firmware upgrade by now nope I got a software upgrade. <laughs> oh, I've been battling chips. <laughs> it's not just Mr. Farkas. That's right. Oh, James Farkas. <laughs> uh, that's right. We uh, we have a, a bevy of bombastic badassery in tail books. <laughs> book, 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 um, bookular. Boo stories? <laughs> yeah. Boo. Boosteries. Boosteries. <laughs> Boostiers. Tonight. I hope that you've started a campfire in your living room, that you're huddled around for warmth. Yeah, get the get the old cocoa out. Yeah, let let some animals loose so that you're kind of a little afraid. <laughs> you just see their eyes glowing Pre- past the Pre-game the, the fear. That's right. <laughs> Helps if you're a little drunk. Don't be afraid to dive into that. Yeah. Just get a little. Actually, why don't you just press pause right now and just slam whatever you're drinking? Yeah, even if it's water. We'll, we'll give you a second. And we're back. Uh, <laughs> and don't forget, uh, once you're done listening to this, you can actually go to audibletrial.com slash blurry photos. Whoa, <laughs> deftly inserted. <laughs> you just shanked them. Get you, get yourself a free audiobook on us. Could be spooky stories. That's right. 30-day free trial membership. Do if it. If you don't like it, you don't have to keep it. We think you'll like it. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and we get uh, a high five from Audible. Yeah, I wouldn't be so presumptuous to say I know you'll like it, but I'm pretty sure you'll like it. I, I spent the last week having to explain to my uh, my really awesome 11 year old cousin like that concept. Like, I know you're disinclined to try this, but I really think you're gonna like it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you and guarantee it because the world's full of risk. But you'll probably like this. And you know what? It worked. He, did part. he did he try it? Oh yeah, we tried a bunch of different weird foods in, in Epcot. Oh Jesus, dude! World. I thought you were talking about Audible. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, don't, you, I was like, wow, you really hard sold Audible to your eleven year old cousin. I like to push an eleven year old. <laughs> now listen, I'm gonna need you to apply for a credit card because they're gonna want a number, and <laughs> I can't I'm, go back to jail. I'm having your mom <laughs> set up on a separate one, so. <laughs> No, but I, I know the say. I know I understand trying to get someone to try something new. Right, right. Yeah, you know, taste buds change, earbuds change. Yeah, that's how you but change your that. earbuds. You get something <laughs> wrong going on if you but, do that. Yeah, we uh, we think you'll you'll have a good time, and and if 
if you don't, you get to at least then keep saw the it off. Eh? <laughs> v for victory there. Yeah. Um, if you don't, if you don't like it, don't feel for, uh, don't feel like you have to keep it, which yeah. you don't. Uh, but you at least get to keep that book. Uh, that you that you choose on there and this doesn't is, doesn't hurt us none yeah, this is the rarest thing in the world it's a no risk scenario i mean the risk being that can you remember to go back to the website within 30 days and say eh, <laughs> no thanks Put I'm, I'm willing to bet money that you can yeah if you want to but anyways that's it for that audibletrial.com slash blurry photos get yourself a free book and why not jump into what we got for you oh my goodness well, if, um, if you can sit through an episode like this you can sit through an audiobook get your teenage significant other uh-huh. don't fumble, worry fumble around with bra straps yeah yeah all those things sloppy kisses um ignore obvious warning signs <laughs> um make bad decisions make sure to investigate things on your own yeah that's what this is episode is all about that's that's what we got it's here about us terrifying you into one of the Americas, maybe fine and understaffed uh, in sanatoriums. <laughs> a silatorium. <laughs> That's right. So we got a bunch of, of, of spooky tales. And if you haven't, I mean, if you haven't heard one of our ghost story episodes before, then, I mean, you know, you're going to end up in your britches. That's right. So, so most of you should probably this, just we'll be like, you, no, I, I can't, I can't go through that again. We'll give you a, just a second here. You can hit pause. You can go get yourself another set of britches and then you can uh, come back and be ready. And we're back. Um, <laughs> so who's going to start this uh, cavalcade of, of creepiness? I will. All right. What do you got for us? This first mind altering tale of misery and woe is called Where's my liver? An old drunk was <laughs> riding the rails one day. <laughs> it's in your body. Yeah. It was all along. <laughs> Go straight to the store and don't fool around, his mother said sternly as she handed over the money. Your father's boss is coming to dinner tonight, and we're having his favorite meal of liver and onions. It's important that we make a good impression, so get the best liver they've got. The best that Pigla Dog offers. I will, ma. Tommy sulked. What? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Gotta get liver. Gotta hurry. My dirt's burst is coming over. Gotta go to Pergladurg. <laughs> Pergladurg. His mother had really been after him since he brought home a failing report card. Tommy grabbed his bicycle from the garage and rode down the street. Then he saw his friend Chad. Come on, Tommy! Chad called. The gang's playing baseball over at the park, and we need a pitcher! Immediately, all thoughts of his errand fled from Tommy's mind. <laughs> Chad was a mesmer and had Tommy in his thrall. <laughs> the boys headed towards the park. Tommy pitched a no-hitter to win the game for his team. Jesus, come on. <laughs> but by the time it was over, it was dark. Then Tommy remembered his errand. The liver! <laughs> he gasped. I've got to get to the stir! <laughs> but all the local groceries were closed. My merm's gonna curl me! <laughs> he gasped. First the bad report card, and now this. He would be grounded for life. Oh, no. Don't worry. Tommy's a clever boy. 
As he rode home past the cemetery, he got an idea. A perfect idea. With no bad consequences whatsoever. (laughs) It was an awful idea, but it would save him from the even more awful fate that awaited him if he came home without a liver. His great uncle had died a few days ago and had been buried in the cemetery. What harm would it do to remove it? His uncle certainly didn't need it anymore, and Tommy had an excellent knowledge of internal anatomy. Not to mention a strong back and the ability to dig through six feet of mixed soil and then pry open the uh, exterior enclosure, the vault for the coffin, and then pry the casket open as well without anyone wondering what he's doing. Also, he had a scalpel on him always. Yeah, on purpose. Tommy hurried home as silently as he could and got his father's shovel. He returned to the cemetery and began digging up his great uncle's grave. Uh, I got a couple of CSI questions here. It's... Presumably summertime. Kids are playing baseball. Uh, sunsets are what? 8? 8.30? Now this gets already dark. The kid's already going home, getting a shovel. He's coming back. What time do people eat in this crazy mixed up land? The dinner with the boss is tonight. And this kid's just setting into digging a six foot hole? Not to mention with all of that dirt and dust flying around, I'm pretty sure he was... Glasses put on. Coffin. <laughs> yeah! Ooh, all right. That night, his mother cooked up the liver and onions, and the boss raved about the meal and had such a good time that he didn't leave until quite late. Wow, this really tastes like you've simmered it in embalming fluid, which I love. It's really tender. You know, most people don't age a liver. Tommy went to bed that night, relieved he had gotten away with it. Phew, I only desecrated a corpse. (laughs) Nailed it. Uh, He fell asleep almost as soon as his head hit the pillow, but woke with a start soon after, sure that he had heard a voice. Where's my liver? A ghostly voice rose up from the staircase, deep and guttural. Tommy gasped in fear and flung himself under the covers as the thud of heavy footsteps reached the top of the stairs. Thump. 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 The footsteps grew nearer until they reached Tommy's door. (coughs) Who's got my liver? Graveworm. The horrible voice asked again. Gooey! Gooey! Tommy whispered repeatedly. His whole body trembled in terror as once more the voice asked, Where's my liver? Who's got my Sheer terror made him suddenly bold. Tommy threw back the covers and found the shriveled white face of his great uncle right above him. We hurt your liver, he shouted. I know you did. The rotting corpse of his great uncle said softly. Oh. <laughs> Moving yeah. on. Yeah. 
stretching out his bony hands toward the boy's shaking body. Tommy screamed. The next morning, Tommy's parents discovered their son lying dead on top of his bed. His liver had been ripped right out of his body, but the autopsy proved that the boy had already died of fright before his liver was oh, removed. Oh, well, that's nice. No, never felt any pain. Uh, so there's a coroner's office. There's autopsies being done. But but, but what? But th- there's no other rules in this world. <laughs> was that the end, by the way? Um, no, no. Um, there was a really cool postscript that... The dinner went so well that the dad got a huge, huge bonus, and they were both really relieved that they could spend all of the, what they were saving for Tommy's college education on a around-the-world um, trip. So actually, their those parents' lives were improved considerably because they never liked Tommy or his weird speech impediment. And the lesson, the moral to learn from this story: never pitch a perfect game to children. <laughs> <laughs> ever give him give him like a, a broken bat single you know give him something yeah terror terror so if Ed. you can beat that flora and i don't think you can i don't know i've got a story that i found in the urban legend section of one story site nice this one is called the clown statue honking honking <laughs> <laughs> Hello, kids. <laughs> Uncle I, Trippy. Am I laughing or am I crying? <laughs> I don't even know anymore. <laughs> Either way, I could use a hug. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> A few years ago, there was a wealthy couple who had two young children, a boy and a girl. The family lived in a large house in Newport Beach, California. Nice. After taking care of their kids all week, the mother and father decided that they needed a break, so they booked a table for dinner at a nice restaurant. That evening, they called a teenage girl they knew and arranged... (laughs) Yeah, yeah! (laughs) Jesus. Sorry. I'm the worst person ever. (laughs) <laughs> and arranged for her to come over and babysit their children while, oh. while they were out. <laughs> Whoops. When the babysitter arrived, the parents told her to fix supper for the kids and put them to bed. After that, you can just watch TV and help yourself to anything in the fridge, said the father. And if you wouldn't mind, said the mother, could you watch TV in our bedroom? The kids have been having nightmares recently, so if you hear them crying, you can just go in and calm them down. The babysitter happily agreed, and the parents left for their dinner date. The girl gave the children some milk and cookies, then she sent them upstairs to bed. She started to read them a bedtime story, and before long, the little boy and girl were fast asleep. After tucking them in, she switched off the lights and went to watch TV. When the babysitter walked into the parents' bedroom and sat down, she noticed that there was a creepy-looking clown statue standing in the corner of the room. She tried to ignore it, but it looked so eerie and disturbing that it sent chills down her spine. She felt as though its eyes were staring straight at her while she watched TV. As time passed, the babysitter started to feel more and more uneasy about the clown statue. Whenever she glanced at it, she got the unsettling feeling that it had moved ever so slightly. No, no. Finally, the clown statue began to freak her out so much she couldn't handle it any longer. She decided to go downstairs and phone the parents. When she dialed the number they had left for her, the mother answered. Hi, it's me, said the babysitter. Everything's fine. The kids are fast asleep in bed, but I was just wondering, 
Would it be okay if I watch TV downstairs? Of course, replied the mother. But why? I know it sounds silly, said the girl, but the clown statue's really creeping me out. The clown statue? asked the mother. Yeah, the clown statue in your bedroom, the girl replied. The phone went silent for a moment. Listen to me very carefully, said the mother. Take the children and get out of the house. We will call the police. Go, now. What's wrong? asked the girl. The mother replied, We don't have a clown statue. For a second, the babysitter just stood there, stunned. Then she dropped the phone and raced upstairs and grabbed the children. Carrying one under each arm, she raced downstairs again and fled out to the street. Huddled on the sidewalk, comforting the two children, the babysitter looked up at the bedroom window and saw something that made her scream out in horror. Peeking through a gap in the curtains was the white, painted face of a clown. It stared at her for a moment, then sank back into the darkness. Within minutes, the police arrived and cautiously entered the house. In the upstairs bedroom, they found a man dressed in a clown suit. When they arrested him, they found a knife concealed in his costume. The clown turned out to be a mentally disturbed midget who was a convicted murderer and cold-blooded killer. The evil man had been stalking the family for months, lurking in their attic during the daytime and coming out to sneak around the house at night. For weeks, the children had been complaining about a clown statue that stood in their room and watched them sleep but the parents just dismissed this as nightmares. When asked for a quote, the clown statue man said, Well? (laughs) (laughs) I I was just implementing my trickle-down theory. (laughs) At night, I'd trickle down the attic stairs. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Oh, see, points for home invasion... Midgets (laughs) Midgets <laughs> and clowns. Oh man, that's got it all. Uh, How you like that? I did see a really great sign. Some friends of mine ran the Chicago Marathon a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, and someone had a sign that said "Run like there are clowns chasing you," <laughs> which I uh, that'll nice. do it. That'll sure. do it. Well played, Flora. Ah, now I don't want to get into an entire uh, alternate history, but let's just say. <laughs> I have a great story of the <laughs> continuing adventures of Tommy. Tommy? But he's dead. Oh, no. Is this like uh, the one? Is this Tommy more powerful? That's since right. that last time Yeah, died? exactly. Yeah. Every Tommy that dies, the remaining Tommies <laughs> gain power. This story is called No Trespassing. Or No Trespassing. <laughs> Peggy and her boyfriend, Tommy, were driving down a lonely stretch. This would have survived longer. <laughs> That's right. Tommy's a man now. Or about to be. With a Merns nerds. <laughs> <laughs> um, Peggy and her boyfriend, Tommy, were driving down a lonely stretch of highway at dusk when a thunderstorm came crashing down on them. Yeah. I'm <laughs> getting some mileage out of that storm sound. Uh interjected the thunder sound. Necessary. (laughs) Tommy slowed the car down and they crept their way past a formidable abandoned house. Plastered all over the fences and trees were no trespassing signs. A mile past the house, the car hydroplaned, 
Peggy screamed as the car slid off the road, plunging into a gully. The car slammed into a large boulder, throwing Peggy violently into the door before it came to rest under a pecan tree. Specific. Specific. Her head banged against the window, and a stabbing pain shot through her arm. Heart attack, dude. Dry fuss. Damn it! Damn it! Come on! Aww. Yeah. Tommy turned. <laughs> Necessary. <laughs> Tommy turned to her. Are you all hurt? You're blurting. Oh, Tommy. Arm. Shoulder. Feel bad. Peggy managed to gasp. Peggy, the Neanderthal, managed to cave woman Peggy. <laughs> Tommy glanced cautiously at her right arm. I think your arm is broken, he said, and tore a strip off his shirt and pressed it to the cut on her head. I'm going to curl for help. <laughs> He said when it became obvious that the bleeding was not going to stop right away. But neither of them had their cell phones. That hearse we just pursed will have a fern hiking yours. Peggy's eyes popped wide open at this statement. Despite her pain, she remembered the creepy abandoned house. Stay here. Hey. <coughs> Car. Coffee. Will come. Necessary. I can't stay, Peggy, Tommy said. It could take hours for another car to come, and you're losing too much blood. He tore another strip of his shirt and placed it gently on the cut on her head. Then he went out and retrieved a couple of blankets from the trunk to cover her with. I'll be back as soon as I can. He raced out into the storm, shutting the dented car door behind him. Peggy drifted into a kind of daze. Coma. It was a may have been a fugue state. That's a kind of daze. Could have been catatonic. All right. Apoplexy. All right, TJ, Dr. Off. <laughs> TJ. Well, my name isn't TJ, Dr. Off. <laughs> the early 80s mashup of TJ Hooker and Quincy MD. <laughs> Something in the back of her mind was making her uneasy. It was probably a concussion. Mm-hmm. She slid down onto the floor and put her head on the seat, completely covering herself with the blankets, head and all be a huge uh, legroom oh yeah well, this is, Tommy had a 1978 Cutlass Supreme oh okay Chevy Cordoba with rich Corinthian leather Buickless Saber oh yeah feeling safer she allowed the weariness caused by the wounds to take over and she fell asleep uh wrong yeah. bad move huge, huge mistake bad move head injury mistakes that's the real horror Peggy wasn't sure what woke her Peggy should have been surprised to wake up at all oh had a beam of light shone briefly through the blanket? Did she hear someone curse outside? She strained her eyes and ears but heard nothing but the soft thudding of the rain, and no light shone through the blanket now. If Tommy had arrived at the rescue squad, they surely would be noise and light and many voices. But she heard nothing save the swish of the rain and an occasional thumping noise, which she put down to the rubbing of the branches of the pecan tree in the wind. Wrong. The sound should have been comforting, but it was not. Goosebumps crawled across her arms. Spider's <laughs> delight. <laughs> um, I just realized I just started to read it that way. Yeah. Goosebumps crawled across her arms. Even the broken one. Oh. Ow, ow, ow. <laughs> ah, ah. And she almost ceased breathing for some time as some deep part of her inner mind instructed her to freeze and not make a sound. She did not know for how long fear kept her immobile, but suddenly the raw terror ceased placed by cold shivers of apprehension 
and a sick coil in her stomach that had nothing to do with her injuries. I'd like to get a second opinion on that. Well, then you're going to have to talk to TJ Doctorov. It's not too late. Halloween, uh, you can be TJ Doctorov for Halloween. It's a pretty easy costume. You need some high, high violins behind you. That's right. All you need is a lab coat and a, a big, big ass mustache, <laughs> some feathered hair. You know what? Isn't that Magnum? Yeah, it is. It is Magnum PI. I, I knew it from the second I started. Uh, Who cares? Yeah. It was already a mashup. Why couldn't he have Magnum side? You know what? He's he's a Frankenstein of 80s primetime TV. Yeah. You know, he was in an episode of the A-Team once. It's a, you know, crossover. <laughs> they saved more, more for more. saved life. face. <laughs> <laughs> and punched Mr. T. It what? was crazy. It was on all the TV guides. For a doctor, he sure was tough. <laughs> now we have to get back to the terror. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. TJ Doctorov doesn't wait for nobody. Mm-mm. Something terrible had happened, she thought wearily, fear adding yet more fatigue to her already wounded body. Then she scolded herself for a ninny. It was just her sore head making her imagine things. Somewhat comforted by this thought, she dozed again, only vaguely aware of a new sound that had not been there before. A soft thud, thud sound, as of something gently tapping on the roof. Thud, thud, pattering of the rain. Thud, thud, silence. Sometimes she would almost waken and listen to it in a puzzled manner. Thud, thud, patter of rain. Thud, thud. Had a branch dislodged from the tree? Peggy wasn't sure how long she'd been unconscious when she was awakened by a bright light blazing in through the window of the car and the sound of male voices exclaiming in horror. A door was wrenched open and someone crawled inside. She lifted her head and looked up at a young state policeman. Miss... Are you all right? He asked, and then turned over his shoulder to call for help. Peggy told the officers her story and begged them to look for Tommy. They deftly avoided answering her and instead called the paramedics. As the paramedics carried her carefully up the slope of the incline, Peggy looked back at the car and saw a grotesque figure hanging from a branch of the pecan tree. For a moment, her brain couldn't decipher what she was seeing in in the bright lights of the police car parked on the side of the road. Could it have been a walnut tree? No. No, definitely pecan. That... Mm. She'd have to come back later and grab a branch to be sure. Then she heard a thud-thud sound as the foot of the figure scraped over the top of the totaled car, and she started screaming over and over in horror. One of the police officers hastened to block her view while a paramedic fumbled out some Valium to give her as her mind finally registered what she had seen. Tommy's mangled, dead body was hanging from the pecan tree. No, now it looks like a walnut tree. Dead body was hanging from the walnut tree just above the car, and nailed to the center of its chest was a no trespassing sign. Nope, it's a pecan tree. I saw the leaves. (laughs) Uh Oh, wow. What a terrifying tale. And you didn't even know what tree it was till the very end. (laughs) Oh, horrendous. Yeah. And um never works out for Tommy. No. Not in that life, not in this life. No. The good thing is she she got taken to the hospital where she was treated by TJ Doctor of 
I'll punch you better. <laughs> if that doesn't work, I'll sex you better. Well, because it's early 80s, so he was allowed to slap her for being hysterical when she got in. And everyone went, no, nice. no, no. Crack. Yeah. And then everyone goes, <laughs> yeah, poor Tommy. Poor Tommy. Could've, Lucky Peggy. Could have had some pecans. <laughs> Sounds like he got his fill. Yeah! I didn't even try on that one. <laughs> Way to, way to go, lunatic. Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah! One more? <laughs> Gotta have three. <laughs> Peggy Sue got scaried. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I think Tommy got straight up murdered, but... Glasses on. I don't want to go out on a limb here. <laughs> yeah! Oh, <laughs> That's my favorite. It's when you go for the the, the lyrics. What are the lyrics? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> That's what I love. You That's know what not, those. It's not even how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> the one part you can understand is the lyrics. <laughs> All right. Um, we going on? We moving ahead? Toot toot. I wrote another one. Oh, an original jam. Originale. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Frothy Mug. Uh, Tuesday's open mic nights. And once again... Uh, another terrifying short story by Mr. D. Flora. Wiggy. What's up, cats? This is a stone cold groove. That's not how I'm doing this. This one is called Thrift Store Find. We We... Damn it, we paved it. We we did all of them in Civil War. There's nothing shit. Sorry. The cardboard box was heavy, taking a toll on Brian's arms as he carried it from his car to his house. Was it a come up? Nope, but it was still fucking awesome. <laughs> okay, thank you. That was my follow-up question. Laden down with what amounted to junk, though Brian would never admit to it, the box was full of spoils from the local thrift store. Two porcelain Chinese food dogs, Three out of four old-school Burger King Star Wars collectible glasses, a DVD of Wayne's World, a slightly aged mirror with a cool wooden frame, an old copy of the Scattergories board game, and a small, dark statue of a raven. I'd say that's a pretty good haul. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He had big plans for his finds. The dogs would be for his bookcase, the glasses for display in his office, the mirror in his front hall, a game night with friends while Wayne's World played in the background, and the Raven statue. Where would that thing go? He wasn't even really sure why he had bought it, but there was definitely something about it he couldn't quite put his finger on. Something alluring or enticing. Do you think he could put it where he currently has the bust of Palace? No, but I think he could put it upon it. Oh, okay. I'll find a place for it, he thought, as his wife Julie opened the front door for him. Find anything good? she asked. All of it, he replied and set the box down in the front hall. He showed her the stuff in turn, and she giggled in delight with each new item. Who would get rid of three perfect Star Wars glasses, she chuckled. Probably somebody who broke the fourth and didn't want an incomplete set, Brian answered. Well, we're just going to have to find the one where the person broke the other three, she said with a grin. (laughs) They're a pair. That mirror is beautiful. Look at the woodwork on the frame. You can tell it was handmade. It'll go great here on the wall, she said, holding it up to eye level. I'll hang it up before dinner, Brian said. 
What's this? Julie asked, setting the mirror down and pulling the raven statue out. Brian started to answer, but frowned and stared to the side. Brian? You okay? Hang on, he said. Do you hear that? Hear what? It's... a tapping, maybe? Julie listened for a second, then slowly started nodding. Yeah, it it almost sounds like... something tapping on the window, but it's really faint. Brian walked over to the window in the hall and drew back the curtain. Nothing was outside, and nothing seemed to be touching the window at all. Brian stared at the window for a second, then said, It's gone now. Weird. Anyway, said Julie, what's this bird statue? Oh, I don't know. I just kind of thought it was cool. Different. Looks old. Yeah, she said. It's pretty cool. Let's put it on this table here by the living room. I think it'll look nice in the hall. She made some space on the smallish table and set the statue down. Come on, she said, taking Brian's hand. Let's get the rest of this stuff put away. Those dogs are so cute. Oh, she just loves doggies. But you know what? She also loves Brian. Brian reactively jerked his hand away as she grabbed it. Whoa, what the sh**? Your hand is cold as ice, he said. What? Julie said, touching her hands to her face in disbelief. She flinched as they touched her cheeks. They were indeed unusually cold, and then she started to feel it in the hands themselves and shivered, rubbing them together. What have you been doing? Brian asked. Just reading, she said with a shrug. Well, let's get you warmed up. We can try sticking them in the microwave for a minute, he said with a smirk. <laughs> Brian, <laughs> she said, precious. smacking... He didn't mean it, it was just a funny joke. <laughs> smacking his arm and chuckling as her hands were already feeling a bit warmer. They picked up the box and continued through the house and on with their day. Later, Brian came back into the hall with a hammer and nail and picked up the mirror. Placing it against the wall by the dining room, it looked good. Opposite the door to the living room, he could see about halfway into the room and half the hallway wall beside the door, including the table with the raven statue. Julie's head popped around the corner, inspecting the placement, and, giving him a thumbs up and then a middle finger, she bounded off to start dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Brian chuckled, setting... Theirs is a complex love. (laughs) Brian chuckled, setting the mirror down, and drove the nail into the wall. Picking up the mirror and hanging it, He stepped back to check how it looked when he thought he saw something move behind him. He whipped his head around and saw the hallway wall, door to the living room, and the raven statue. Tap, 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 tap. There it was again, a little louder. He glanced at the window again. Nothing. He looked back around at the raven statue. Against his better judgment, he walked over and picked up the statue. Then, not knowing what to do with it, He put it near his ear, as if it were a conch shell, and he was listening for the ocean. Almost touching his ear, he held the raven for a few seconds, but if anything, the tapping faded again. Feeling silly, he set the raven down and walked to the kitchen where Julie was chopping vegetables. He walked up beside her and put his arm around her, kissing her on the cheek, but her smile turned into a grimace as she pulled away from his hand. What's wrong? he asked. I don't like you anymore. (laughs) That middle finger was for real. (laughs) Your hand, she replied, rubbing her upper arm where he had touched her bare skin. I hope you've been just standing around holding beers for us. What are you talking about? And then he felt the chill in his fingers, burning like they were stuck in boiling water, but frigid on the outside. Ah, 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 damn, what the hell? He shook his hands as Julie turned on some hot water and he stuck them under. It is not what you do, by the way. (laughs) 
So that's a mistake for thawing frozen fingers. What is causing that, she asked. No idea, he replied, the feeling returning to his hands. Maybe circulatory trouble? In both of us, she said. If it happens again, we'll go to the hospital, he said. Instinctively, he looked back towards the hallway, then back at his hands, turning the faucet off. They had dinner and snuggled up on the couch to watch a movie, but Brian couldn't stop glancing at the hallway. Something wrong, Julie asked, noticing his odd behavior. I just can't stop thinking about that raven, he said. The raven? Julie asked, perplexed. Doesn't it seem like it's connected to our hands being cold? You held it, got cold. I held it, got cold. Brian, that's a little weird. You think the raven had something to do with that? I don't know, he said. My imagination's just getting a little overactive, I guess. Will you be okay if I leave you alone here on the couch while I go to the bathroom? She asked Riley. Sarcastic. Brian smirked and Julie got up and headed to the bathroom, which was through the dining room. He started flipping through the channels when he heard Julie shriek. He jumped up and ran to her in the hall, where she was leaning against the wall of the dining room, looking into the living room. What is it? Brian said, hugging her. Someone was in the living room, she said through tears. Someone was standing in the living room. I saw it in the mirror when I walked past the raven. Brian turned and ran into the living room, scanning for any sign of anyone. Nothing. He turned again and walked into the hall, to the table with the raven. Tap, tap, tap. Tap, tap. Brian and Julie looked at each other. There was no mistaking the sound now. It sounded like a hard beak on glass. Brian started to turn his head back to the raven when he caught sight of the mirror. There, standing just behind him, he saw the black shape of a man. But it was only a shape. Dark as obsidian, yet shadowy. The thing couldn't have been more than a foot behind him. Simply reacting, he ducked and jumped forward, spinning around to confront the intruder. Only there was no one there. Did you see it? Julie asked, sobbing. Something was right behind me, he said, his heart racing. The tapping had turned into a pounding at this point with occasional scratches. The bird, Julie said. You were right. Get rid of it. Brian picked up the raven statue, ran to the front door, and tore it open, hurling the statue as far away as he could. It flew through the air and landed with a thud in the grass. Brian slammed the door shut, and suddenly the pounding stopped. He ran to Julie and tried to catch his breath, hugging her as she cried. He held her for a few seconds when she stopped sobbing and got very still. Julie? Brian? Your hands? Brian pulled away and looked at his hands. They looked fine. He frowned and looked at Julie. They're not cold, she said, her eyes wide with fright. He looked at his hands again, then back at her, and that's when something caught the corner of his eye. He turned and looked at the mirror. What looked back, however, was not Brian. He watched the shadowy black figure slowly raise its arms above its head and suddenly bring them down on the mirror's surface with such force that Brian was flung backward against the opposite wall, smashing the table and crumpling into a dazed heap on the floor. Brian, Julie screamed, rushing to him. The figure started pounding again, pounding and scratching on the inside surface of the mirror. It wasn't the raven, Brian mumbled. The mirror. Julie looked up to see the shadowy thing slamming into the mirror, causing the whole thing to shake with each hit. Following Brian's example, she jumped up, ran to the door and opened it, then ran to the mirror, ripping it off the wall. Running back to the door, she sent the rattling, thumping thing sailing through the air. It landed near the raven statue and shattered into dozens of pieces. The pounding stopped immediately. She ran back to Brian and collapsed, holding him and crying. She stopped, however, when they both heard the slight sound of glass crunching. 
feeling the burning coldness creep across her hands, Julie looked at Brian, and they both turned toward the door, where they could see out in the yard, dozens of small, black, shadowy figures climb out of the broken mirror pieces and start floating toward the front door. Where's your, where's your witty little Beaumonts now, Brian? Your, your, your love of nerd culture won't save you. Sorry, Brian. Lo the, siento, the, Julie. The Raven statue, it's it's like lupus in a house episode. It's never that. <laughs> it's always the first thing they go to. Yep. That's a good one. Oh, thanks. That's a really good one. I actually forgot you wrote that. Oh, really? You were telling me. Yeah, I like that one the most. Oh, well, we've got some yet. You've got, a, you've got another. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's definitely going to top yours. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. Inky, pinky, stinky, yeah. winky. Laura brings talent. I bring punishment. <laughs> so there you go. Be careful of what yeah. you buy at uh, the old thrift store. That was awesome. Did the head fake get you or, or were you sniffing it the whole time? No, it got me. Cool. Well played. I'm sure I'm sure somebody was like, nap, mirror. Uh, you know what? I, you know, here's, here's the thing. I, I really did forget that this was a story that you'd written. Like uh, I was like, nope, that all makes sense. Like you know, usually you're like, oh yeah, that was a really dumb thing that that person just did, and I would have absolutely done that because I, I was not cognizant that it was a story you'd written. Hmm. Didn't do it. That was well written story, sir. Oh, thanks. What do you got? Unfortunately, Tommy's not in this story, but it's another tale of of road trip trauma. Okay. Okay. Also, I'm kind of relieved because clearly I. I was just doing whatever I felt like with Tommy's voice. I think Tommy had four different voices throughout that story. <laughs> yeah. All right. But Tommy's had a lot of lives. Yeah. Take your pick. What do you get? Louisiana Tommy? Dorchester Tommy? <laughs> That's the best Tommy. This is... Now, listen. I don't want to tip my hand. <laughs> but this story is called Axe Murder Hollow. Don't fall for it. <laughs> don't get it. Susan and Ned were driving through a wooded, empty section of highway. Lightning flashed, thunder roared, and the sky went dark in the torrential downpour. We'd better stop, said Susan. Ned nodded his head in agreement as he had been hit by her before and did not want to get another slap. He stepped on the brake, and suddenly the car started to slide on the slick pavement. They plunged off the road and slid to a halt at the bottom of an incline. Against a pecan tree. At this point, it could be any tree. He hasn't investigated properly. Pecan. And you can't eat wild almonds. They're full of arsenic. They'll kill you. Pale and shaking, Ned quickly turned to check if Susan was all right. When she nodded, Ned relaxed and looked through the rain-soaked windows. I'm going to go see how bad it is, he told Susan, and went out into the storm. She saw his blurry figure in the headlight, walking around the front of the car. A moment later, he jumped in beside her, soaking wet. The car's not badly damaged, but we're wheel-deep in mud, he said. I'm going to have to go for help. Susan swallowed nervously. There would be no quick rescue here. He told her to turn off the headlights and lock the doors until he returned. Axe murder hollow. (laughs) Although Ned hadn't said the name aloud, they both knew what they had been thinking when he told her to lock the car. This is the place where a man had once taken an axe and hacked his wife to death in a jealous rage over an alleged affair. Jeez. Supposedly, the axe-wielding spirit of the husband continued to haunt this section of the road. 
Outside the car, Susan heard a shriek, a loud thump, and then a strange gurgling noise. But she couldn't see anything in the darkness. Frightened, she shrank down into her seat and sat in silence for a while. Then she noticed another sound. Bump. 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 It was a soft sound, like something being blown by the wind into a pecan tree. Suddenly, the car was illuminated by a bright light. An official-sounding voice told her to get out of the car. Ned must have found a police officer, and he thought she was high. Susan unlocked the door and stepped out of the car. As her eyes adjusted to the bright light, she saw it. Hanging by his feet from the tree next to the car was the dead body of Ned. Ned's dead, baby. Ned's Ned's dead. dead. His bloody throat had been cut so deeply that he was nearly decapitated. The wind swung his corpse back and forth so that it bumped against the tree. Bump. 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 Susan screamed and ran towards the voice in the light. As she drew close, she realized the light was not coming from the flashlight. Standing there was a glowing figure of a man with a smile on his face and a large, solid, and definitely real axe in his hands. She backed away from the glowing figure until she bumped into the car. Playing around when my back was turned, the ghost whispered, stroking the sharp blade of the axe with his fingers. You've been very naughty. The last thing she saw was the glint of the axe blade in the eerie incandescent light. Same story. Same story twice. Same story twice. Twice. Shenanigans. Shenanigans. I'm going to make you read another. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. You're right. You're right. That was the same story twice. Except for the other one was thumping with a pecan tree. And this one was bumping with an indeterminate tree. So it's like there's some important differences. This story is called a Texas ghost story. Wow. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Originally. Uh, it's it's a, <laughs> it's actually called Dancing with the Devil. Ooh. Colon, a Texas ghost story. Double colon, a night out with TJ Doctorov. <laughs> <laughs> the girl hurried through her squirrel work. His squirrel work. Squirrel work. <laughs> she had a lot of squirrels. <laughs> Keep Y'all milking them squirrels. <laughs> The girl hurried through her school I gotta fill this whole bucket. (laughs) (laughs) I'm never gonna finish. (laughs) The girl hurried through her schoolwork as fast as she could. It was the night of the high school dance about 70 years ago in the town of Kingsville, Texas. The girl was so excited about the dance, she bought a brand new sparkly red dress for the dance. And she went to the dance and she saw the dance and and all all, all sentences will end with dance. (laughs) I don't mean to mock this. It's like a brilliantly written story that makes sense. Yeah, that was a dance. <laughs> the dance danced its dance across dance. <laughs> Welcome to Dancer's Hollow. <laughs> she knew she looked smashing in it. The dress, of course. Smashing. It was going to be the best evening of her life. Then her mother came into the house, looking pale and determined. <laughs> Like, dude, you don't laugh. This is a really well-written story. Two adjectives to describe your mother. Pale and determined. In that order. You are not going to that dance, her mother said. But why? The girl asked her mother. I've just been talking to the preacher, and he says the dance is going to be for the devil. You are absolutely forbidden to go, her mother said. I don't want to stop the narrative here, but that makes no sense. Okay. The dance is for the devil? Like 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 it's raising 
Perhaps if you continue reading, we'll find out why. It's okay, I'm just general. saying, It's are they selling um, red-looped ribbons to raise awareness of, of our dark master, the father of lies, the many-handed one? Beelzebub, lord of the flies. The great unclean. The stain lord. The fallen one. <laughs> father of all devil babies. <laughs> Mephisto. <laughs> Old Scratch. <laughs> Alright, alright. This is basically a pissing contest <laughs> yeah, now. I like this. <laughs> okay. The girl nodded as if she accepted her mother's words, but she was determined to go to that dance. As soon as her mother was busy, she put on her brand new red dress and ran down to the Kingsville City Hall where the dance was being held. As wow. soon as she walked in the room, all the guys turned to look at her. She was startled by all the attention. Normally, no one even noticed her, but her mother even accused her of being too awkward to get a boyfriend. But she was not awkward that night. The boys in her class were fighting each other to dance with her. Later, she broke away from the crowd and went to the table to get some punch to drink. She heard a sudden hush. The music stopped. When she turned, she saw a handsome man with jet black hair and clothes standing next to her. It's the devil. That's the devil. You don't know that. It's the devil, though. You don't know that, David Flora. That's what it sounds like. Don't put that evil on this poor girl. That's what the devil wears. That's what the devil looks like. (laughs) He looks all dapper, dandy. Hell's two weeks from everywhere. (laughs) <laughs> Dance with me. It's the devil. He sounds like that. That's he what the said, devil sounds like. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could see Flora's head rolling around on his shoulders. <laughs> she managed to stammer a yes, completely stunned by this gorgeous man. Mm. He led her out on the dance floor, and the music sprang up at once. She found herself dancing better than she had ever danced before. They were the center of attention. Then the man spun her around and around. She gasped for breath, trying to step out of the spin, but he spun her faster and faster. Her feet felt hot. The floor seemed to melt under her. He even spun her faster. She was spinning so fast that a cloud of dust flew up around them so they both were hidden from the crowd. And when the dust settled, the girl was gone. The man in black bowed once to the crowd and oh, disappeared. He was still there, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the devil had come to his party, and he had spun the girl all the way to hell. That was just a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah. It... <laughs> I was talking to the preacher, and he said that a being of incarnate evil is going to come to that dance, so you should stay home. Oh, they're still holding it. Yeah. Mostly Mormons. So there you go. Wow, cautionary tale. Yeah, and Flora, you were right. I told you! <laughs> that's the devil! That's what the devil does! <laughs> he was there! He looked so nice until you get him on the dance floor! I'm surprised you recognized his voice. I don't know how I knew that. I just knew. <laughs> I just knew. It's the voice that tells me to burn things. All right, Flora, what you got? One more? Round it off? Yeah. How about a pain? I love pains. A perm? Perm. A poo. <laughs> this one's called The Odd House. Oh! It's quite irregular, I assure you. Edwin. <laughs> Who let him in? The devil? I knew it. I'll be up here on the ceiling having a tea party. Not a window was broken. The paint wasn't peeling. That seems odd. Not a doorstep sagged. Yet there was a feeling that passed the door and into the hall. This was the house 
of no one at all. No one who laughed, nor drank, nor ate, nor said I love, nor said I hate. Yet something walked upon those stairs, something that was and wasn't there. That's why the grass on the path grows high, and even the moon flies fearfully by. For something walks upon those stairs, something that is and isn't there. How very bizarre. Was it odd that I said bizarre? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Shyamalan. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That is your third annual ghost oh. story. Spend the rest of the night uh, writing uh, uh, fan mail because you're not sleeping. Yep. That's the best time to do it. Uh, maybe have a few drinks. Yeah, that might help. That'll do it too. Never. Hopefully you had some before listening, yeah. but not while driving. Don't do it while driving. Nope. You can't, can't do that. Can't condone don't that. Don't do it while working either. Everyone gets real I, uptight about that. I don't care about that, but <laughs> don't go to that dance. That's that's what you <sighs> That's do. what's important. That's a fundraiser for El Diablo. I've actually got uh one more scary story. Oh if, really? If you'd like to hear it. I would, I would. It's um I don't I don't know though. If you haven't used those uh those spare britches yet, oh. you're gonna I did. Well, I'm going to gamble. You, you got to take your risk here, but okay. here it goes. Uh-huh. The story is also the title. Okay. All right. Puns. Oh, I gambled and lost. Double zero. <laughs> <laughs> puns, Ooh, puns, 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 puns. We got puns. All right. Well, who will go first? Um, I've got one. I've got a, uh, a new, a new uh, sponsor for the podcast. Oh, really? Uh-huh, uh-huh. What's Audible going to think? Well, they're going to be okay with this. Okay. Who is it? It's, uh, it's an additional policy you can add on to any standard um, car auto policy, and um, it adds uh, roadside service. Uh, you can get OnStar as a part of this, like sort of underwrite some of the costs of that. Also, it comes with a Remington 12-gauge shotgun. Wow. And it's, um, it's called Tommy's Policy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's to protect you from breakdowns or anything <laughs> in any haunted stretches of road. Nice. Um, so yeah, you 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 come from the inside of the car, can call for help. You don't have to leave, and you have a shotgun. Um, <laughs> that's also awesome. Has some band aids. Yeah, that that's great. Uh, I actually have something to tie into that. Once once you have signed up for that policy, uh-huh. uh, feel free to go ahead and and take a take a drive out on the old country roads. Because you're probably protected, although I don't know if you'll be protected from this, uh, this haunted piece of countryside where women flock and can sex you to death. Ooh. It's called Axe Spray Hollow. Oh, yeah, bruh. Yeah, bruh. Yeah, yeah, bruh. Yeah, bruh. Yeah, bruh. Gel my hair. Pop my collar. <laughs> well, I've got a, I've got a personal tale. Oh, oh my. Yeah. Yeah. This is something that. Why that, would you from my own From my own life. When I was in the uh, army, ninth grade. Oh, I had already I'd already thing. gotten out of the army by then, the rank of lieutenant colonel. <laughs> um, there was the the uh, spring fling dance, and uh, I was a big nerd. And my mom tried to tell me, you know, you're going to get wailed on if you go to this dance. Uh, I love you, but you're a giant dork. You can't go to this dance. You won't be safe. <laughs> and I said, "You're right, mom. I'll just stay home and." build models and and read robert jordan books um that'll that'll keep me safe the minute she left i put on my coolest clothes and i went to that dance 
did. And I was in the middle of the dance floor doing a sweet robot. And the jocks came up. They grabbed my pants and pulled them down in front of everybody. <gasps> yeah. I pantsed with the devil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All of that for pants with the devil. Uh, you win. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This one, I, I felt dirty going after that. <laughs> I've got a, uh, I've got a, uh, Robin Hood just had a nightmare day one, one time because he forgot to bring a way to hold his arrows and he had to steal something from a dead body. Oh God. Where's my quiver? Oh, boo and high five. <laughs> That's how that story went. Where is my quiver? Quiver. Where for out thou, my quiver? Oh, my. Yes. Them's um, puns. Them's haunted, cobweb-festooned puns. Indeed. Now gather round and hear the chilling tale of the souls of the damned as they writhe in torment and rip forth from their throats their terrible tales of Listener Frank and Duck. <laughs> well, we were we were doing that, so that had to happen. <laughs> oh, listener mail, kicking it off with a guy that I've never heard from before. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Who's this? Welcome aboard, Joel. Joel, what's up, Joel? Joel's got us a sweet ass pun. Oh man, a pun with a sweet ass. Hmm. <laughs> mm. At least I. I I don't think I've read an email from Joel before. You may have, and I'm not putting it together. Let's just keep going. Yep. <laughs> have you heard of the retirement home that was founded to care for ancient knights who failed in their quest to find the lost city of gold? I haven't. It was Old Dorado. <laughs> <laughs> Old Dorado. <laughs> Thank you, Joel. Wow. Welcome aboard. Thanks, Joel. Dave, I hold in my hand uh-huh. one small step for man, one giant ball of yarn. It's a message from Luna Kitty. Arigato gozaimasu. Wee. I don't even know. It's just, it sounds like they would be video games. It's a half hour that, yeah. Luna Kitty. Uh, has some puns from the old archives from Has, this has Lunar Kitty settled the question of Lunar Kitty's gender yet? No. Nope. Nope. Okay. How delightfully weird. <laughs> uh, all right. Lunar Kitty uh, has cat scratch pun fever. <laughs> you, you, you're gonna want to get some nugent cream for that i, I feel dirty yeah anything from from that a hole the, the was it the detroit madman is that his moniker whatever whatever <laughs> lunar kitty says there's a local jewish sports team that needs an extra person to fill in putting the right marks on the league statue gives them the bolum for their bowling team <laughs> it's not shading. 
He's not another human being. <laughs> uh, the Pillsbury Doughboy gets stuck in a Jewish restaurant. The elders get bored and deep fry him to make a giant donut holem. Whoa! Keep working the midsection. <laughs> Screw that doughboy. <laughs> <laughs> Zoos have some nasty predators in their care, so to save the zookeepers, they assemble a man made of meat to feed the animals. You know what they call it? Wait, let me think. I don't know. The steakum. Steakum rears its ugly head. (laughs) Steakum, the zombie of foods. Oh, God. Comes back to get you. Yes, it does. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, writes in a good spot for an angry badger sound. (laughs) Nice. Uh, And she says if you need a political replacement, if someone gets sick or dies, you just call in Bob Dolum. <laughs> Bob Dolum is always ready. He is ever vigilant. Bob Dolum. Bob Dolum doesn't like this. <laughs> Thanks, Lunar Kitty. Thank you, Lunar Kitty. Arigato. Uh, up next, Tink. Tink. Well, that sounds like Tink. An anvil. It is. The, the anvil of Connor, the woodsmith. <laughs> you rolled a W. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> it was worth it. He's worth it. Uh, he wants to start off by clarifying that he only thinks, Flora, you are the responsible one yeah. when referring to the miscrypted contest. What the f***? Yeah. Um, I take it. I take umbrage to that um, only because deep down I kind of know it's true. <laughs> Flora is the responsible well, he- one. <laughs> He called me the responsible one last time, and I was like, yeah, all right. Yeah, no, withdrawn. 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 Actually, lose-lose, because mm. I, I have to admit that you are the responsible one, and he took it away. <laughs> That's okay, Connor. You're, you're the one that, you're, you're the responsible one, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Oh? Oh. How about some, uh, some not-so-superpowers? Let's hear them. The ability to fly as fast and high as a supersonic jet. But you still have the physical limitations of a human body. So you will. Yeah. (laughs) Yikes. So you will suffocate and freeze to death. Yeah. That's. You know what? Yeah. For real, though. Like, you know, all you assholes who wish you could fly. Isn't that just flight? (laughs) You would. You like if you just were granted the power of flight, you would zoom up to almost touching space. Almost, almost breaking through the atmosphere, and you would fucking freeze your ass off and pass out, and pass out, and you die. Wasn't? Oh no! Keep it low, <laughs> low and lazy. <laughs> That's how you stay alive, little flyers. <laughs> PSA from Blurry Photos. <laughs> Pretend you're your human squirrels and and zoom a lo- tree to tree, zoom, guys. Zoom along. It's the way to be. <laughs> awesome. How about fire resistance, but only your skin? Wow. Yeah. Real interesting. So inside you're boiling a lot. Right. All your hair <clears throat> crackle crackle. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. I like that one. I <laughs> like that one. How about the ability to scale any and all objects, tall or short, with absolute ease? However, having reached the peak of whatever you've scaled, and by scaling, you know, sure. climbing or whatever. When you reach the peak of whatever you've scaled, you are stricken with an extreme fear of heights and severe vertigo, causing you need to be rescued regardless of the actual distance from the ground. Or uh, if there's stairs or ladders accessible, like wherever you get to the top of, you need help you're getting stop. back down. Yeah, you stop right there. Hmm. <laughs> I like that Pretty one. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. 
It's like it's powers with consequences. <laughs> these, are, these are like Connor's like the devil doling out right, yeah, superpowers. He's like Connor the monkey's paw. <laughs> um, oh, and this is the part where one of those fingers curls in, Flora. Oh, great. Yeah, that's right. He's leveling a charge to you, Flora. What? During our Edgar Casey episode, I delicately dropped an eloquently spoken fuck. And unlike just boy, just now. You failed to censor that. You let a shot get by you, dude. I'm, I'm like, I'm like Diamond Joe Sackick, and you're like Patrick Waugh. But eventually, I'm gonna get in there. I don't know hockey that's not 15 years old, so that's why those are the guys that I say. Jeez, I'm I, like Mario Lemieux, and you're like Ed Balfour. Wow. I can go further back, but I can't go forwards. <laughs> you know what? What's funny is that's absolutely true. I'm like Steve Eisner, right, and you're like, right, you're we like get Chris it. Osgood. We get it. We get it. <laughs> I have an era that I know. I'm like Joe Hockey, and you're like Bruce Stick. <laughs> there, that's as far back as you can go. Um, I did let one through, so yeah. I will. I will take that uh, on the chin. Uh, however, uh-huh. I I caught it. Like n- I I don't know. It was right after I released it. I went back. I put it back in. I you know I put bleeped it out, and then I resaved it. But on iTunes. It's it, a one and done thing, I'll bet. It it it's it takes a while huh. to to re up that for some reason. So there were if if you listened or downloaded on the day it came out, I think you would have you 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 would have gotten the full F effect. So it's, I went back and, and checked, and, and it sh- it's changed now. Oh, see, well, Connor, uh, like many of our listeners, they eagerly await it. Sure, sure. No, I let it through. He's right. I love I'll it. take it. I, I you know what though, I'm amazed that that doesn't happen all the time because uh-huh. I swear a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it should <laughs> just based on the, the time of day that I edit them. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, it, it should happen. I, as a matter of fact, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, because I don't think you can do this for yourself because it seems self-serving, but uh, I'm going to say that uh, you, this will be, I, 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 we can't hold you responsible for this and I won't. So what, you, this, this charge, Oh, no, this charge, yeah, no, you're going up the river. <laughs> okay. You're absolutely going up the river for this one. But then we're going to change the law the second you finished your sentence. <laughs> oh, oh, so so if something gets through, it's okay? Give yeah. me a break? Yeah, I don't, eh, I don't want maybe. you getting punished for being the guy who edits this. I always, I have an inordinate <laughs> amount of guilt that you edit this by yourself. Well, or, or, we'll, we'll see. See, and I can't say I'll do your penalties if you let one through because you'll just let them through to f- <laughs> <me>. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a tough game. It's a tough game we're tough playing game. here. Tough game. And he has a, a fun catchphrase. The blurry photos penalty box. Our squirms means it's working. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Connor. Thanks, Connor. For nothing. <laughs> yeah. Heard from Comrade Luke. Oh. Da, da. Bosvedonia Luke. Comrade Luke uh, sent us a, uh, a song uh, via YouTube. Uh, that he wanted us to check out called The Ghost of Virginia. Uh, it's a song about a ghost train by an artist named Justin Towns Earl. Justin Towns Earl. Uh, I listened to it. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good little song. It's not as spooky as I thought it might be, but uh, it's, a, it's awesome. a nice little folksy kind of sounding song. And uh, and he has uh, been looking forward to all the Halloween-y goodness that, that we bring. Nice. Uh, thanks for sending it along, Luke. Yeah, thank you. you Luke. Diakul, Diakul, you duba. Thanks, Luke. 
Don't forget, you guys, check out the Chromecast. Crom. Mm-hmm. If- Four out of five Croms agree that Chromecast, the Chromiest cast. <laughs> if you like uh, Robert E. Howard and, and the old Conan yes. series, they, they do it upright. So Classically. What else you got? Uh, I've got an email from Sheila. Oh, hi, Sheila. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got an email from a Sheila. Oh, I did. An American Sheila. American Sheila. American Sheila. Stay away from me. me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's as far as we need to do that. Notice that we hadn't done a vampire episode yet. We haven't. Yeah. We haven't. I mean, we've, we've touched on it. We've kind of nudged it a little. Uh, um, That's a big subject. It's a huge subject. You and see I think that we, book right there? <laughs> yeah. I think we can find an angle on it, though. And uh, she mentions a book that she'd recommended to us, The Amazing Adventures of... Cavalier and Clay has been chosen as the one book, one Chicago thing this year. So hmm. uh, it's it's a it's a story about uh, a golem. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of a cool thing. And uh, she also has a great idea for the uh, Blurry Photos podcast listeners. Uh, the name of them? Yes. Oh, what is it? Photons. Photons combines the word photo and fans mm-hmm, while referring mm-hmm. to the weirdest thing about physics that most people learned about in high school. That'd be the wave particle duality, Uh-oh. which I'm a big fan of. That's true. I'm currently putting that one at the top of the list. I think, I don't Ooh. know. It's too soon. We haven't really entered into a round Robin tournament, but I really <laughs> like that one. Yeah. We will. We're still accepting. Yeah. Please keep them coming. Sweet. Uh, so thank you, Sheila. Thanks, Sheila. Who, 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 boom, boom. Boom, 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 Cutting down boom. trees, skating on pigs. Lumberjack <laughs> Nick gonna cut all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard tell that old Lumberjack Nick went himself into a Taco Bell and ordered not one, not two, but three tacos. And those tacos, you best believe, were supreme. <laughs> Lumberjack <laughs> Nick. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, Lumberjack Nick writes in. In regards to our Men in Black episode, and he says, if you recall, he had the ghost story uh, about a, a sort of similar experience that he and his grandmother had, the ghost yeah. in the corner. Yep, yep, yep. And he's got another one that they both experienced, at the, I guess, at the same time. Says the year was 1992, and his grandfather was dying of stomach cancer. Sorry to hear that. He said he was around 11, and it was very hard on his family, of course. He said that what he's writing about happened several times. And the most vivid time for him was walking through the hospital lobby with his grandmother, uh, heading up to visit his grandfather. As he walked through the busy lobby, he recalled seeing a man dressed all in black who had an orangey tan complexion standing off in the distance, staring right at them with a slight grin. That wasn't the only time it happened. They'd see him in various other places as well, always standing off in the distance, dressed in black, just staring at them. He should note he was not wearing a black hat or anything like that. Uh, so whether or not it was a man in black, up for debate. We uh, yeah, men in black come in in grays too, and, and mm-hmm. it's and, a and term, not, not really a description. Though. Yeah, it's a category. Uh, he's never really considered him to be an MIB before because the occurrence didn't happen around them seeing a UFO or anything, which is a good point. Hmm. Uh, as far as he remembers, he says though he did look up injured cold after listening to the Mothman episode, and he stumbled upon the Grinning Man, which sounds somewhat similar as well, which yeah. very much like the injured cold, yeah. uh, weird grin, creepy-ish, like, hey, buddy, what you doing? Kind of. Uh, at any rate, a 
few years ago, he brought the story up to his grandmother in conversation because they hadn't talked about it in a long time. He wanted to see if she was if he was remembering it correctly. She recalled exactly the same thing, adding in one bit of story that he wasn't familiar with. She had never, never told him that in fear of scaring him. But one day while he was at school, his grandmother went to get the mail, saw the man standing on the sidewalk across the street, just staring up at the house, grinning. Yeech! Thunder sound. Yeah. Creepy. Uh, even his creeps are huge. <laughs> Lumberjack Nick. <laughs> Lumberjack <laughs> Nick. <laughs> Staring at men in black. Riding on pigs. <laughs> riding on... Skating on pigs. Skating on pigs. Staring at men in black. Skating on pigs. <laughs> Chopping down trees and eating flapjacks. Lumberjack Nick. Gonna cut all day. <laughs> okay. Gonna scare all the ghosts. Never gonna stop singing Lumberjack songs. <laughs> Uh, wow, thanks for sharing that, Lumberjack Neil. Yeah. And now we have the email from the Adam Verstman. The Verstman? Yeah, yes, the Verstman. What has he encased inside an empty intestine for us this week? Oh. Oh, yeah. Hello there, Daves. Sorry for the lack of puns, and I'm finally taking care of my insomnia, and apparently <laughs> I can't write the puns except when I'm deliriously tired. True. Also, you'll be happy to note I've been telling everyone at work about the show. Yay! Now you have at least two more listeners. You're fucking welcome. Donka share, first man. Donka Adam. Anyhow, the pun. The other night, I swear I saw one of the UFOs everyone's been talking about. It was pretty rad, but the, other, but the next day I found myself in a horrifying scenario when I was hunted down by the dark figure wielding an axe and bleating in the most terrible way. Oh no! Beyond your lookout, now that I've told you about my experience, have put you in danger too, for the goat man in black. Nine! Yeah, yeah, he's the goat man in black. Sorry I put <laughs> nine. Oh, fourth. nine. Sorry I put the GIB on the trail. <laughs> Adam, totally not sorry. Verstman. Oh, oh. oh that's so Verstman Adam. of you, Adam. Good night. <laughs> Adam, you little scheisser. First, we went to the graveyard. We dug up a dead bit. Lord, trying to stop me, but I knew I was right. I knew I had the power to play God, and by help me, I would. We strapped the bed to a sled and dragged it into my laboratory high in the mountains of Romania. I waited until an appropriate lightning storm, then I hoisted it upon the roof. And when lightning struck, I saw that it moved. I had created life. I had created the reanimated And he turned out to be really cool. Um, there nice wasn't guy. like a, there like wasn't some cautionary tale. Um, he was just really grateful, yep. and he was a nice guy. So we're gonna keep doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm probably gonna go dig up a whole lot of folks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> whole lot of bits. <laughs> he says, uh, "Happy blurry photo bird Thank to you. Stecos and Flora. You've earned it." Frank and Duck sound. Uh, he'd like to start off by saying that uh, him and his brother are skeptics when it comes to the paranormal or the weird. I'm skeptical about the paranormal. I believe in the weird. Okay. <laughs> his brother kind of likes to trick him, uh, so he doesn't know if his story is true or not, mm. but this is what happened to him. Oh. Just north of where they live is a bridge commonly known as the Theorosis Bridge. That's what I'm going to go with. 
Named so because of a woman threw a baby off the side, drowning it. Woof. Stricken with grief, she did the same thing. It is said that if you go to the bridge and say that you are Theorosa's child, Theorosa, how stupid am I? Oh. Theorosa's bridge. Uh, and Theorosa's child, then she will come up from under the bridge and attack you, attempting to throw you down into the water. Another thing I've heard is that if you say, Theorosa, I have your baby three times, Ooh. then something will happen. Huh. His brother did the latter, and he said that he heard a faint crying come from under the bridge. Ooh. Going under the bridge, he found nothing and came home and told him. Wow. Well, if you hear faint crying under a bridge, don't go into the bridge, man. Go the opposite direction. Yeah. Learn to fly. Go directly up. He'd <laughs> um, like to think that it's true in some ways, but as he said before, the story is just a local ghost story with lots of retelling. Those are the best ones. Those are my favorites. And little to no facts backing it up. Nowadays, uh, the bridge is used uh, that used to be there burned down. There is just a concrete bridge that has tons of graffiti on it. Oh. Hmm. Wow. Speaking of that, maybe for a show, you could do some local ghost stories from your hometowns. If they had any. Oh, oh, I've got some in Colorado Springs. I mean, we got Nikola Tesla. We got some cra- crazy weird stuff in Colorado yeah. Springs. We have, um, yeah, we, yeah. I, I've got some of those. That's a really good idea. Cool. cool. Now continue to live reanimated bit. I've written some letters. I'm trying to get you a social security card. It turns out that that's really complex. It's tough. tough. Uh, so a lot of red tape for the time being, but we're going to get you reintegrated in society reanimated bit. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to everyone. Please go to Twitter, blurry underscore photos. Follow us there. Uh, I've been putting that stuff out on YouTube, blurry photos podcast. Yep. We're on Facebook. Like us. Thank you. Whoever our angel is that have been promoting the podcast. We got tons of new likes this week. Yeah. Uh, that from, was awesome. Thank you England. so much. And if, uh, if you're a fan of blurry photos and you live in London and have been telling a lot of people, you, you are amazing. Yeah. We have a donate button, which we encourage you to use. It yeah. helps us out. Whip it. <laughs> Whip it. Good. Uh, don't forget about audibletrial.com slash blurry photos. And that's all we got for this yeah. episode of Blurry Photos. I have been TJ Dr. All. Punch you better <laughs> or sex you better. Whoa. And I'm the mangled corpse of Tommy. <laughs> Thud. 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 Bye. Bye. That hearse we just pursed will have a fern hiking yours. Wow. Is that too much? (laughs) They're going to have to decode Probably. (laughs) That hearse I just pursed will have a fern hiking yours. Is that better? I feel like I'm committed to it now. (laughs) Uh, All right. I'll I'll bring it up. (laughs) That hearse I just pursed will have a fern hiking yours. Better? Sure. All right. What if I leave all three in? Yeah, f*** it. (laughs) (laughs) The many shades of... How Tommy are we getting on this? (laughs) Alf Haka or Alf (laughs) I think I got one by you. I think I had a good Alf I don't know. All right. So, so yeah, I'm going to do the the shallow end of the Tommy pool here. Okay.
I can't stay, Piggy, Tommy said. It could take hours for this curve. It could take hours for a new to curve to curve. You're going to lose too much blood. Too much. I know. <laughs> I just realized that I was full on Swedish, Swedish chefing it. <laughs> um, <laughs>